All right, hey everybody, once again, back with Adrian Bosman, and we've got a special guest today, Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, when Adrian and I are chatting every now and then about potential people to have on the show, there's always this back and forth banter, and and then I actually think it was Adrian's idea, your name crossed the text message thread, and it's like, that's an easy yes right there. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get Nicole Absolutely. on. So, yeah. Nice of you to say. Yep. Nice of you yeah, to say. Of course. So tell everybody uh, a little bit about yourself. You know, you're you're an affiliate owner, but there's a lot more going on in your life than that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So affiliate owner, longtime uh owner of CrossFit Roots here in Boulder, Colorado. We opened in 2009. Oh wow. Started out of the old one car garage. And yes. Uh, yes. Yes, some good old. Wait, I, I don't mean to derail this right away. I know, yeah, gonna... yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to. Yeah, absolutely. I was just at CrossFit Roots. We were doing a film project for um, some things coming up on the old in the old CrossFit world, and I couldn't help but notice in your bathroom you have this really cool canvas photo of your original location in the garage. It's just like a like a landscape shot of yeah. the setup that you had. And it made me so happy. I just, I love the fact that you guys celebrate your roots. Uh, you yeah. know, it's really, really cool. It's a, it's, we sometimes drive by the old garage and we joke like, it, what is it? Hewlett Packard that started out of their garage. You know, <laughs> we drive, we like creep by this guy's house, you know, it's his house now with this one car garage and kind of look around. I think the pull-up bar is still like kind of off the side. He never moved it. So nice. <laughs> yep. So yeah, so started out of the garage, uh, and then I yeah in 2010 I started I did an internship with CrossFit with cross paths with both of you during that time, and then started working for seminar staff and continue to do that although at a much less uh, level of involvement I'm I don't work seminars that much, and then now I work for CrossFit. home office. Um, and I am a content writer for the content team, which is in the education department. So basically we write lots of content and I get to have the special niche of coaching and the affiliate world within the, under the umbrella of CrossFit content, I guess you could say. Nice. Now let me, let's go back to the affiliate for a second. You guys started in the garage in 2009. Mm-hmm. You left out a couple of things there. You guys moved to, <laughs> in my opinion, like one of the, one of the greatest spaces that, uh, that had been for an affiliate. Um, you yep. guys kind of set the stage for, I think, laying things out with intention in a space that large, uh, at the time that you guys moved there, I don't think there were too many other people in, in that kind of situation. So talk us through that. Yeah. So, um, in 2011, we were, we didn't have any space. We totally had run out of space in our, we'd rented 600 square feet and then we'd knocked a wall down and had 1100 square feet. And Pat, I know you had been to that gym mm-hmm. on Wall street. And, uh, so we found this space and it was legitimately bigger than what we needed. And, uh, we just kind of took the, if you build it, they'll come and hopefully we'll fill it up. And it seemed really, really too big at the time. Uh, but yeah, we took, kind of took the leap. And in 2011, we moved to this 10,000 square foot facility and we built it out. And we, I think, I, I think the thing that really drove the design there, Boz, was a lot of gyms had put their rigs like along one wall. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember who it was, but we basically had built the rigs and we were 
carrying them and walking them around the gym, like trying to figure out where they would go. And somehow we ended up splitting two 24 array or, you know, 48 feet of rig and offsetting them. So we ended up with like a floating rig in the back and a floating rig in the front. And it, I think it just, I think that single design element framed how the whole space ended up laying out. So we kept all the wall space. It just had this really nice visual. Um, and then I don't know, I like things to be organized, which might surprise you guys, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So then from there, we just made sure that everything out of space. And I, I will say like full transparency, I learned a lot of that from Chris and Andrea at Trident CrossFit in Virginia. Mm. Um, when mm. I would go home, Chris was always building something like, like there was always, <laughs> there was always like a saw table out and he had wood and he was constructing something to hold the dumbbells or be- to better hold the wall balls. And, um, I remember he had built this pallet. Basically he didn't, he didn't get a pallet. He built a pallet <laughs> and that's how they were hang their weight vests. And it just looked so nice to me. So yeah, we definitely stole a lot of things along the way. Um, but uh, basically the whole idea was that everything had a place. A couple of great nice. human beings, by the way, Chris and Andrew. Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, I just saw Chris. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, it's just yeah. pos- positivity if you need a, oh, a boost of positivity. So Absolutely. was your evolution, or am I missing a step? One mm-hmm. car garage, 600 square foot, 1,100 square feet, 10,000 square feet. I think we took down another wall. So we were like 1,700 square feet for like six months. We basically just kept knocking down walls. But yes, then we jumped from 1,700 square feet to 10,000. And I remember Chris Spieler being on the road with him and he was like, 10,000 <laughs> like, and he drew my name tag for the day for the seminar. And it was like Nicole, 10,000 square feet Gibson at the time or something. And then I'm sitting there. I'm like, Oh my God, we're making a mistake. Like, what are we doing? Did um, you, what, what metric did you use for that? Or was it blatantly obvious? Cause you know, Greg used to have something that he would say, I'm probably going to butcher it, but it was something along the lines of they'll come up, you know, you might you might be scared to move because you can't afford it, but then there'll be some point in time that you you can't afford not to move not or something yeah. like that. You know what what was your like? Because that's those are some big leaps. I don't care if it's just six hundred square feet to eleven hundred square feet. That's nerve wracking. You know, let alone a potential seventeen hundred to ten thousand. So what were the metrics? I mean, were you bursting yeah. at the seams, or was it just like there's a great space available? Ah, I feel we should jump on it. No, definitely not. We had, uh, well, it's actually a funny story because we definitely were pushed to move because we had every foundations was full for like the next three cycles of our foundations course. Cause at the time we did it in group foundation. So they were all full. We capped the classes at eight people because we couldn't fit. I mean, it was like, we could fit six barbells this way. And then there was this weird room off to the side that you could put one person <laughs> but if you put people there. Then there was a little tiny extra room where you could put two barbells. And so you could never see all the people at the same time. Awesome. Um, and so we <laughs> just a, good, had, a good coach can see through walls. That's right. Yeah. Around corners. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that's where that, yeah, yeah. That's where my, my coaching abilities stop. But, um, but yeah, so we, so it was definitely that we had to move. An interesting story. I mean, we, you talk about like the mistakes you make. Um, we, 
We're bursting at the steams. Seems we went and saw this space. I fell in love with it. I was like, we got to do this. It was a leap. Our real estate agent, our broker was like, okay, well, you can just sublease your space. And I didn't know all the things about the things and all that. Mm. Well, basically our landlord was very against subleasing and they had to approve whoever we subleased to and they didn't like any of the deals we were bringing to them. So we ended up paying double rent for 10 months. Oh, oh, wow. Well, luckily, Boulder is a very low rent, you know, easy yeah, to live kind cheap. of area. Super cheap. And it was, yeah, fine. Um, Pat, I don't know if you remember this, but that was during the time that we actually sold our car so that we had some more money. And so we had one oh. car and you lent us your Jeep so that we could just not drive in the snow. Wow. Oh, I do remember that. I had totally forgotten about that. I was living in Colorado at the time and I had another vehicle. So yeah, I totally forgot about yeah, that. That was clutch. That was a huge help because I was biking. Eric, we had, so we had one car and I would bike to work at like five in the morning, you know, in Colorado it can get cold in the winter. Unbelievable. And yeah, it was a huge, you were like, this thing is a tank. It sucks. You know, it can't go more than 20 <laughs> miles an hour. And I was like, perfect. You know, it's, it's not I'm only a bike. Twelve blocks, um, yeah. exactly. Well, talk so, about making it happen. Like you sold a car yeah. to try to get. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, talk. That must have been some tight financials when you ran the numbers. Like we can do it. Now <laughs> stay with me. We have to sell one of our vehicles, and then eh, maybe. Well, how well, about when I told Eric we had to sell our house recently during the pandemic? I mean, it's it's par for the course, apparently. Um, no, we. It was just we really got ourselves into a pinch and luckily though the new gym the new space we were i mean we i, I mean we added 100 members probably in those first 8 to 10 months and so we just nice. helped that that really helped us offset the the cost of pain uh, for for two spaces at the same time <laughs> man what a, what an unburdening that must have felt like when you got rid of that second rent every month. Oh, totally. I, I can only imagine. Yeah, I know. It was amazing. It was just like this, like cloud had been lifted and, and then we yeah. got to do the real, you know, then we got to do the, get back to the fun stuff. Um, mm. but I, I will say like, I, I mean, I'm sure it was stressful at the time, but I, I, I don't think I ever doubted that it was going to be okay because we had like, a, we'd had an end date. So it was like, okay, the worst that could happen is we have to pay this much money for 10 months. Um, but where where does your confidence come from? I I have always been so uh, in awe of your, yeah, just that your confidence. Like ever since oh, wow. I've known you, you just you really just have the self belief that really is apparent immediately, and uh -huh. uh, I think it's really admirable. So, like, where wow. does that come from? Are you even aware of it? Is this something that just has wow. pervaded your life, or did you have yeah, to develop that? Where where did it come from? Uh, well, you kind of caught me off guard. Um, well. I, I don't know, probably my parents. Um, but I will be honest. I mean, I, uh, I didn't have a successful sleepover till I was 12. So <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I don't I was, get it. I was the kid that was like worried about everything all the time. Like uh, okay. I was the kid that was like nervous and, you know, not confident. Um, and yeah, my parents somehow, I guess, put up with it and it was just sort of like, well, we're still going to do all the things. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I feel like a super confident person, but um, I believe in things. And so I guess maybe that's yeah, part okay. of it. It takes, carry, carries me through on that. Um, 
you know, yeah. this is one of this is one of my observations now, be it be it right or wrong. <laughs> but you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you know one of your nicknames we used to give you, you know, lovingly was basically systems, you know, because you're, you know, you're very organized and you didn't like leaving things to chance. You had, you would figure out a way to do things. And, and so that it was, again, measurable, observable, repeatable, replicable, if you would. And you yes. had a system for things, you know, and you're, you're organized and, and detailed. That seems from an outsider's perspective, in stark contrast to the, you know, sell the car, hope this happens, jump into the space. So I guess, was was that you know with that systems nickname and, and detail oriented and having a plan following a plan was that part of who you were then or has that developed through your evolution as a business owner your evolution as a coach of going from space to space and and getting the lessons learned yeah it's funny um i don't remember who did the systems nickname but i remember <laughs> the time being like i think me? it was spieler yeah, I think it was Phil. Um, and uh, I, so I remember it also at my mom's memorial, I remember my brother and I spoke and one of the things we talked about with my mom is that her thing with like one of her things was like find a way. And mm. so I think that that kind of always maybe was rooted in it is that like just finding a way to do things like, okay, you got to pay double rent. There's a way to figure this out. Okay. There's a pandemic and the gym's going to be shut down for six months. There's a way to do it. And and it doesn't mean that the way is always like glamorous, but then there's some level of organization to help you trust the process along the way, because you can be like, yes, we're all in. We're going to pay double rent for 10 months and it's going to be great. But it's really nice to go back and look at the spreadsheet that kind of proves that your numbers are going mm. to work out. Mm. So you're not just there in yeah. the middle of the night being like, what did I do? So I think it's it's sort of, um, it's sort of a, it goes hand in hand that the the system stuff gives me a little bit of comfort to do some of the uh, crazier or I don't know, maybe crazy. I don't know what they would, I don't know what you would bold, call things. Bold. bold. There we go. Bold. Great yeah. word. Great Thank word. You, Boz. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I've got, you know, Boz had some great questions and topics for us to dive into. And there's so many are related. I want to make sure I stay somewhat on track here, but, <laughs> you know, we wanted to have you on because not only all the various duties that you have, but, you run a tremendous affiliate. I mean, just just hands yeah. down. If somebody goes, first of all, if you go to Boulder, you need to go to Crossroads. Roots, period, end of story. You go there, you're going to have a great experience. And what I think is phenomenal about your facility is, I would say, while each coach might have a different flavor, a different style, right? They're their own unique person. Like, you're yeah. going to get a, a excellent experience that to some degree is the same meaning you're going to get coached. There's going to be a good warm up. Like the there are the things that should happen are yep. going to happen no matter which class and which trainer you pop into. And again, getting back to those systems or processes that have developed, that's the kind of stuff that I think affiliate owners, new and old, would benefit from hearing about. And I know there's a lot of folks out there because we got a an email from somebody who is interested in starting a right. CrossFit gym. But they're just scared. You know, there's a lot to do. Don't know if they can make it financially. So this might be a really big kind of a question. But I would love to hear of, you know, your advice, so to speak, let's say for somebody looking to get into the business where it seems overwhelming of all the things that they need yeah. to do. You know, advice to the new affiliate owner now since you've been doing it since 2009. Oh, man. Uh 
I mean, I know this might sound like a broken record and it it does go back to all the stuff that um, Greg wrote about, but if you build good coaches and you help like make an environment uh, to have great coaches, everything else falls in place. And I think, I mean, we get to do really freaking fun stuff every day. Like I, I'm so amped up, like just to go um, into the gym and to coach and to hang out and to talk shop and all that stuff. And I think that if I had to give one piece of advice to affiliate owners, it's if you continue to look through the lens of a world-class coach and what we talk about within within CrossFit and and what, what those things are and, and how you realize them, then you stay the course and you can, and you can make this great, uh, affiliate, but there's so much stuff to be, you know, Oh, should I buy, do I need two yokes or do I need this or this and you can get distracted and, and, and no, you just need, you know, it's the same thing. Like, okay, you learn the squat now go learn it 10 times over. So you get like a deeper understanding of it. It's the same thing with coaching. And it's just so tempting to be like, all right, well, we've got a great, got a great warm up protocol. So we're good. If and somebody's I, not coming yeah. to your gym, it's not because you bought the wrong jump ropes. You know, exactly. you, you said yeah. something which is so <laughs> simple and yeah. I don't think anybody would disagree with you. Like you said something along the lines of you've got to build great coaches and then moved on. Very simple statement just to say, but I would, as a new affiliate owner, be like, stop, stop, stop. Yes. <laughs> Tell me how, how I want great coaches yeah. too. Right. How? So, and how do you well, do that? Well, let me piggyback on that, Pat, and say that I think that's one of the things that really sets your affiliate out from a lot mm-hmm. of others, even really well-established affiliates, is that your level of dedication to staff development is is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that it's it's harder to see just because people aren't there during that type of time. They can't be, you know, like the, the, from the client side or the athlete side, like they just, they're not going to be involved in that. So, um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what is your approach to staff development and, and why? Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess the why Peel is the curtain. obvious, but, Peel the curtain but back. yeah, yeah. What, what's your All right, approach here we there? Go. Here we go. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, well, I'll start with, I think it's a two way street. So I have always, um, I mean, when I, when I found CrossFit, when I read about CrossFit, I had always wanted to be a coach and be a career coach. And I started in swimming, but I think I made like $4 and 25 cents an hour. And I was like, well, that's (laughs) not going to happen. Um, and when I, you know, when I read professional training, I was, I was like, yes, this is it. This is, this is how you become a professional coach. And so when I say two way street, I really treat it that I, that, the coaches that come and work at roots, like this is their profession. And that means that I'm offering them a full-time career, you know, within the first year at, you know, after they're there that they can build into it. And that, um, it's, it's something that they can really dedicate their life to if from, you know, as a profession. So I think that's the two way street is that I, we we do, we, we have a track record over the years of we hire a full-time staff as our, as our core group. Um, so if I may, your, your goal is to have your coaches know that at your gym, they have a career that could feed their families. It's not, I'm a firefighter and a coach twice a week because it's cool. And and, it may be not there's anything wrong with it, but you actually want to say, if you so desire, this can be what you do on planet earth. Right. 
Exactly. And, and it can be, and they, and, and, you know, they can make a lot of money. They can make a really good living and yes, support their family or, you know, maybe they can't be a single income family. Um, but yes, they can have two, you know, working people within their household and, and make a really nice living. And, and I think that, um, and that's really important to me because I do see the CrossFit coach as that, that it's a career path for people. And again, like you said, Pat, like if somebody, you know, if somebody like we have one of our substitute coaches, longtime coach, she's an incredible coach. Uh, you know, she's a systems engineer for Lockheed, but mm. you know, she, wow. she loves yeah. it. Yeah. She, she's great. Um, she loves it. And, and so she coaches for us, you know, maybe two classes a week or subs as needed. Um, so I'm not saying that that can't be successful or something right. that people enjoy, just how we wanted our affiliate to work and what I wanted to offer the people that we're working with was a full-time opportunity should they want it. And, and I've got to, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to have you, you know, break out your checkbook and give me your financials and, and air all your, you, that stuff. but, but again, I would think that somebody listening to this would be like, that sounds amazing. Yes. But it's still the how, because you're in, a, in an expensive area in Boulder, Colorado. So okay. you must have a big lease. The cost of living is huge to pay rent or mortgage. So somebody listening to this is like, I would love to offer this for my trainers. How are you doing that? Is it, are you taking no salary from the gym? Do you just charge your clients a lot? And most of it goes to your trainers. Like how in, in function can somebody mm -hmm. actually present their trainers with this wonderful opportunity? Yeah. And I don't, I don't mind sharing some numbers because I think if we're going to further it, we have to put, put a number on it. Mm -hmm. Um, so no, um, Eric and I, my husband and I both take a salary. Um, and we take, you know, not giant salaries, but somewhere in the 40 to $60,000 a year salary for each of us. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have, we have a draw. So we're taking any, you know, something off the top and, you know, range wise, it could be 4,000. It could be 10,000 in a month that is coming off the top. I mean, that, that I will say that was pre pandemic. Um, sure. and so we've had a lot of stuff I and mean, we can talk about how we were forced to move during the pandemic at, at one we, point, which, which we'll was talk a, about, which was mm -hmm. a giant expense that we were not predicting. So we won't do that for a number of months. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, you know, but then in addition, yes, our, um, the coaches are building their, their, they're building their, their salary, if you will, around 12 group classes a week, which we pay anywhere from, you know, 30 to $50 an hour, depending on the coach and their level. Oh, of wow. That's great. Then they have private training. So that is part of it. Like they, but that's something that we facilitate, but that then they foster and, and drive on their own. Um, and they take a much larger portion of their, um, of their, uh, personal training, right. the personal training. So they take 70%. Um, the gym actually only makes like 8% of that because 22% goes to like taxes and health insurance and all sorts of stuff like that. Oh, there's um, a thing called taxes. People forget about, right? <laughs> totally. Actually, this is one of my favorite stories. We had this, uh, young woman and she was fantastic. She was working in the front desk. First job out of, she was in freshman in college, first job. 
she, you know, makes like 15 bucks an hour and she calls Eric and she's like, well, I worked 10 hours, but my paycheck is not $150. Right. Oh, that's the things that come out. It was great. That's a reality Um, check. Take it up with the government, ma'am. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. Um, And so, so they have the personal training and then they also will take on a closed program. And so that closed program is something that is like the business within the business. Again, they're taking 60 to 70% somewhere in there um, as they mature into that. Mm. Um, But so if you think about that, like, you know, if you've got 15 to 20 people in your closed program and you're charging them 150 to $200 a month, they're taking 70% of that. So if you piece all those things together between private training, group Mm -hmm. classes and that, and then they have a simple IRA and health insurance. Oh um, wow! Yeah, so that's let's, not something you hear all the time. Yeah, this is a lot. So I want to I want to pause right. there and really parse through some of this because this is very significant. As as you know, you take a look at the different models of CrossFit gyms around the world. There are some pretty bare bones structures to that. And then I think you are on the other extreme of that where you you really are putting your money where your mouth is with making it a career for people should they want to do that. And so a couple of things I really want to point out there. Number one, okay, yeah, you're taking a percentage out of some of these things that they're engaged in. However, that's reflected back to them with these other benefits, like a retirement plan and, and health insurance coming out of a CrossFit gym. I mean, that's, right. I think I can count on one hand the number of times I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's you and a handful of others that, that have figured out a way to do that. So that's hugely significant. And then the second thing I, I want to just kind of park on for a second is this, this kind of shared responsibility that I think you've crafted so well, where you're offering them this opportunity they're going to show up, they're going to coach X amount, you know, they're going to have these other um, kind of avenues to make their own way. Uh, but the agreement is that they have to bring that to the table to some degree. And I think that's really cool too. So what are the types of things, I can't remember the term you used for it, closed program? Yeah, we call it a closed program. Yeah. So so describe that to people because I think that's unique. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's so I what think- I see as being really interesting. It's like you have the, the kind of cut and dry coaching, mm-hmm. and then this closed program that is ultimately their responsibility, right? Right. And it, and it's kind of uh, that we use the classes partly as, you know, the buy-in to be able to have that, that okay. Like if someone was like, I only want to coach four classes a week, but I want to have a closed program. It's like, no, like, you know, that's yeah, you still have cool. to be tied to the mothership. Yeah. So, right. yeah. So we have closed programs in Vitality, well, Legends class. So that's like 65 and older. And then we have an endurance. Well, hold on, hold on. Let's let's back up and go even one layer. Oh up. yeah, yeah. Okay. For, I've, I'm hearing this term for the first time. Okay. Closed program. I'm not familiar with what that would look like inside yeah. a, a CrossFit affiliate. Like, what what are we talking about here? So a closed program is a uh, a subset of the gym where it is a program that is basically has a, a target population or group or age or something like that. And it operates at a specific time each day. So for example, endurance is Monday through Friday at 12. Teens is 4.30, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And a closed program means that when you sign up for a membership, you can only go for that program. You're only able to go to that program. So you know, if you do the endurance, you can't also go to like a 5 p.m. group class. So mm-hmm. those programs operate, depending on the program, three to five or six days a week. Um, and so people are people, when they come into that program, they're doing their membership is only for that access point. 
Um, and then each are, are there people that do both that have like a like let's are, say just an unlimited membership and a closed program membership? No, there aren't, but there are people okay. that do a closed program and then have a punch card to come to like a Saturday group class or something like that. We don't do punch cards um outside the gym. Um but we do a punch card like if you have an existing membership within the gym to do other things. Mm. Okay. And so the idea is that these closed programs are developed by the coach. They're mm -hmm. not something that you guys hand off to them or say, Hey, you know, this is the strategy we've got for all these different closed programs. The responsibility lies on the coach to come to you and say, Hey, this is, this is an interest I have or a specialty that I've got. I would like to develop a program around this. What do you think? Can you, can you describe that process a little bit? Yeah. So Let's say, so like, we'll take Connor, for example. So Connor Warman is one of our newer coaches and he's, he's fantastic. And he had an interest in bringing back the legends, the 65 and older program at Roots. It had kind of been decimated during the pandemic because mm -hmm. just a population that was not going to come back right away. Um, and so he was really interested in it. He did the research. He thought about what would that program look like for 65 and older, you know, shocking. It's still CrossFit. Um, they squat, they, get <laughs> it, they, press. Um, they do all the things. Uh, and so he designed that program. And then from there, and this is important, I think, Boz, is that while yes, the responsibility is on him to drive it, he's also 20, I don't know, four or five. So he doesn't have a ton of experience with it. So our general mm -hmm. manager and me, we will sit down and we, we give them the lay of the land. Like, okay, this is how you can promote it. These are different ways you can promote it. If you bring us an Instagram post, we will post it. Um, like he got, he actually got my dad included who's 79. He got all the vitality or the legends folks to sign up for the open. So we're going to do oh, it. We'll awesome. about oh, that's that. cool. Um, but so, so, you know, it's a learning process too. Like he's not you know, he, he's motivated, but he doesn't know really where to focus his efforts and things like that. And then we have Got a it. spreadsheet. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Now we're getting there. <laughs> All right, just, you know. Actually, I think this is really important and I would, I'll share this with you guys afterward. So for all my coaches, when they come on and they think about being full-time, I have a spreadsheet that I made that shows all of the different things they can do at the gym to make money. And it filters all the way down of what that would be as a take home at the end of the month after taxes and everything's taken nice. out. And then they nice. multiply that by 12 and they can see what they could make. And a lot of times they're That's like, cool. Well, like they're I, surprised. Yeah. On they're the, on, surprised. positively surprised. The they're positive, like, wow, I can exactly. make a lot of money. And then That's they can awesome. sit there and be like, okay, well, if I earn my level three, that's five more bucks right off the bat on my class thing. Let's put that in. And they can kind of figure out strategically, like, do I want to try and get five more members in my closed program? Or do I want, I mean, I want them to eventually mm -hmm. earn their level three, but um, I think that's really important too, um, to set like that. That's, that's the coaching of your coaches in a, in a bigger picture of how to take care of them. Like, Hey, you got to do the work. And like you said, Boz, like, some of it needs to be driven from them and, and their own efforts. And some of it needs to be us fostering that to happen and them to get better at it over time. And I think that's, that's one way that that's been, um, just a good way to put us all on the same page visually. Yeah. Like, here you go. Okay. So um, I'm going to yeah. put you on the spot a little bit here. Yeah. You know, like I said earlier, I just, I have so much respect for your, your, drive and your confidence and 
you bring so much clarity to things. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, man, Nicole is just so clear about what she wants to do and the direction she's going. Like, what mistakes have you made along the way trying to implement this? Because it seems like you guys have crafted a pretty awesome path forward for people. But I'm sure it wasn't just like a linear, you know, step-by-step thing until you're like, well, here it is. The path's laid out. You know, I'm sure there were things that along the way, they didn't work out as, as much as you'd like. Yeah. Um, I, I would say, uh, I would say that a lot of the things that have evolved from the coaching perspective are things that if I worked for somebody else, I would want to know those things or, or have a plan or understand them. And so with various coaches that have come through over the years, sometimes they're like, well, what's the plan for this? And I'm like, oh crap, I don't have a plan. And so then I have to go and scramble. And sometimes it's been, you know, the coach is frustrated or they don't like the answer or whatever. And that's hard. Right. Um, but it definitely helps set the standard, like where we're just zeroing in on it, getting better and better over time. Um, I definitely made mistakes in the beginning where as, as the coaching evolved and the coaches some coaches were just like, I am all in. I want to learn more about the squat. I want to do all these things. I want to, you know, hang out afterward. And then some coaches were like uh, less, less involved. And I Mm -hmm. didn't, I didn't hold them to the same standard. And I had a wonderful coach that pointed that out for me and yeah, I fixed it. And that was, it was good to fix. It was hard. Um, it, it has made our staff that much better over the past five years. Um, and like, here's an example. Like I had a coach that was like, I'm not coaching mornings. And I was like, I don't know. It was like 2012. And I was like, I don't mind getting up in the morning. Like, you know, it's (laughs) like a big deal. Yeah. But then, um, those are the things that whittle away at a team. I think. Absolutely. I agree. And I, it was hard to have that pointed out to me. Um, you know, this is like, five to eight years ago at different points, but it just made us so much better. And people, people, people are, have so much more clarity when it's laid out and it's consistent for everybody. So I definitely made that mistake. Um, I've definitely, um, I've made the mistake of, how do I want to say it? Like, it's hard to find where I wanted to be involved and where I thought my best use of my time mm-hmm. was, yep. uh, you know, with seminars over the years, uh, when I would be gone like three weekends in a row, I'd come home and I would just feel like really disconnected from the gym. Um, and so Eric, my husband was really good about like, well, what are the things that make you feel the most connected and shocking? <laughs> it's coaching. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not writing the blog post or redoing the retail or like any of these things. And so that's been something that's been very guiding over the past three years with, you know, before the pandemic, during the pandemic. And then now with my role with CrossFit, I'm still very involved with the gym, but it's mostly all through coaching or coach development. Um, And so knowing, I think that's a really important thing too. And again, it comes back to coaching. Like you, you got to build your, I mean, you're, I know we say build these businesses, but at the end of the day, it's building coaches that then facilitate the doors being open in a way. 
Yeah, um, I mean, that's the thing, right? If you want to look at it as far as what is the product, it's like, well, that's it. Coaching it is, is the, the product. product. Yeah. And if that's shaky, then it, it follows that everything else is going to be on a pretty weird foundation. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I, again, I, you have so many gems that you're throwing out there. One, I just want to pull back to the front of the mind is this idea, you know, Greg used to talk about this a lot when you're thinking about your facility. It's basically build the gym that you want to be a member of. That was kind of the philosophy. It's like, hey, where would you want to go and who would you want to hang out with and what would it look like and what would be prioritized? That's how you should build your gym. And it sounds like you described the same thing just for an employment opportunity. You're like, okay, what is the coaching job that I would want? And you built that. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I I never thought about it that way, but that's absolutely like I I do that filter all the time. Like, what I want to work here, what I want to work for myself, yeah. or, and I think that you know, um, you hear this a lot within the coaching profession, uh, especially within CrossFit, and I, it's a lot of um, like P and L or business driven CrossFit consultants or models where it's it's a lot of okay, your coach your full-time coach needs to give you 35 hours a week. And you know, mm-hmm. that's how they make this salary. And I'm like, there's no way that I could coach 35 hours a week. Yeah. Period. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. Or for anybody 30. that's done that for a, a period of time, I mean, you know, yes. that's in the early days, I remember, um, you know, I was doing a lot of personal training. I was coaching all the time. I'd be at the gym. You know, these are the, the San Francisco CrossFit days. I'd be at the gym at six in the morning. I'd be there until eight o'clock at night sometimes. And you do four or five days of that in a row and then get up and do it again the next week. I mean, no it's way. brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. And, and the thing about it is, is that I think the, I think the, the premise is wrong in the first place mm-hmm. where who cares about 40 hours a week anymore? Like what even is right. that? Like people, <laughs> Good for you. People, people want balance and they want, they want to work hard, but they also want, they, they want balance. And so we, you sure. know, Eric, I don't, I should know, but basically when we calculate our, um, hours for stuff, we use a 1.25 multiplier because for every hour that you're actually on the gym floor, mm. it might even be 1.5. Um, the be, and that's how we're kind of thinking of like, okay, how is that person doing? You know, are they okay? Are they doing okay? And like a couple of times, yeah. just the past couple of weeks, one of our coaches, he's great, but he was like, I'll take these, all these classes. And then he ended up with like eight in one day. And it's like, no, you, no, we're uh, not doing that. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, well, we're going to take your lunch or whatever. And so um, point being, I think that that whole idea that we are basing coaching jobs around some magical arbitrary number is, is misguided. And, and, and I think that's where that geeky model comes to play of like, okay, if you've got 12 hours of group coaching a week and you've got a couple of privates and you're running a closed program and maybe you're coaching 20 hours a week, um, that that's enough. If yeah, mm-hmm. well, especially if you consider that, that, you know, yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, all those things take development. And I think that's something that to yeah. kind of bring it all the way back to this new affiliate, um, mindset, I think it can be easy to fall into the trap where you're like, well, I'm just going to offer classes eight, nine hours a day and I will field all of those classes. And then you don't consider like, okay, well, how much prep time goes into that? How much time do I need to recover between, you know, when do I go to the bathroom? Like they're very basic things, but people are very quick to just write those out. 
And before you know it, you have a schedule that is just really rugged, certainly not sustainable, and it doesn't lend itself to get better. You end up just trying to chase your tail doing the thing that you've put out that is arbitrary, like to your point, nobody else is forcing you to it. You have forced yourself to it. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're like, man, I'm not, nothing is getting better here. I'm just, I'm in survival mode perpetually. And that's, I think a bad place to start. It's a terrible place to start. And I don't know what you guys think about this, but I just, I feel like there's so much conversation about I mean, I don't know. I, I just remember hearing like, I'm going to, I'm going to build my affiliate and then like, and then I'm going to, I'm going to be out. And I, I just mm. think that that's such a wrong, mm. I'll say wrong. I, it's, it's, I, not gonna, I it's not going to be a great this, affiliate. I'll tell you that. Yeah. If, if that's, that's your, is, like, yeah. Anyway, great affiliates are built <laughs> on great coaches. Mm. They're built on great yes. coaches. And if you lose the great coach, and and they and they're out and i'm not saying i'm the great coach but like your great coaching staff or whatever it is if you lose that anchor like the rest of crossfit doesn't fall into place for your affiliate and i think we have too many we have this this idea that like th- that person can extract themselves and i think the reality of running a small business a crossfit affiliate is that like that is your life's work that is like you're there that's you're in it and we still i think we got sidetracked to a beautiful conversation that's been going on for the last 25 minutes, but we actually, so you've been hitting on this repeated theme of great coaches do it. You said one of your roles now is coach development. We broached that question as like specifically, how do you do it? We actually never got, we never never got that. So how do you, we know we now at at this point understand that you got great coaches. If you want to have a great affiliate, how? All right. Well, Okay. I'll start with some of the non-negotiables. They have to be CrossFitters. And what I mean by this is they have to live and breathe and bleed CrossFit. It can't be like, I like doing CrossFit, but I also do this like HIIT program and, or I like a little bit of something else, or I do a lot of power lifting, but I can teach CrossFit. Like, no, Mm. like you're going to go to group class five days a week. You're going to be, you're going to be in it. I love it. Um, you need to live and breathe and bleed CrossFit. And that has... Amen. And the word indoctrination gets a, a bad rap. But, <laughs> I, but I think I think there's certain contexts where you're like, yes, that's exactly what I want. Yeah. Well, but it's anyway. funny though, like, okay, so just, I'll keep us on track, but as a quick aside, so then you've got someone that's delivering your message that doesn't believe in your message. And that's right. who your members are supposed to look to for their improvement. And it literally just deteriorates mm-hmm. the entire foundation. And I've made, the starting mistake, point. I've made the mistake before and it one time specifically, and it just, um, it, that credibility and that buy-in, whether it was on the staff or whether it was working with the coaches never materialized to anything close to what all of the other, the coaching, um, pieces or all the other coaches have done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing start with a, cro- a, a CrossFitter. Um, and then second, I would say is the, the onboarding process, or I don't know if I would say onboarding, but let's call it the, the baby coach phase. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it. They're co-coaching 10 group classes a week with another coach. And I don't mean like, um, I mean, it is, it's 
it's led by one of them. So it's not like a free for all. It's a very planned thing. But I think what we see a lot of is like, okay, you went to level one, you passed the test, you shadow somebody for like a week or so. And then you're like, and and then it's off to like, you know, mm-hmm. your own thing. Now we don't, oh, I won't do that. If it's like, we just are, we have a new coach that we just hired. Who's fantastic. And she, uh, came in as a level three. That's a funny story, but, um, but so she came in as a level three. So she only did that for two months. She didn't do the whole six months. Gotcha. Um, but even today, like this morning, she and I met at eight 30 and we watched Eric's class and we just talked through everything that was going on and used it as like a context for discussion. I'll come back to that. Cause that's, okay, so that's awesome. Pause for yep. one second. Don't lose yep. your train of thought. Okay. Okay. So when I say play again, you just start talking again. Right. But okay. it's important to pause there because you've all, what you've already said isn't common. Okay. Where your abbreviated program was two months long. Okay. That's, right. that's many people's full program, let alone, you said the other coaching was- If they is, have one at all. If they have one at all, is yeah. six months long, like half a year, which you just kind of glazed over. Like, uh, So it's just not shocking that if you go to Cross Roots, you're having a wonderful experience. My level of shock well, is very low about that. And I think it breeds the idea that, you know, yeah, you're going to watch each other's classes and yeah, you know, not, not in like a, uh, uh, a critical way, but you get really comfortable with right. sharing of ideas and, hey, what did you think? Accepting feedback, giving feedback. I mean, all of that is just baked into the culture immediately, which and, I think is takes, very healthy. It's very healthy, but it also takes a lot of... Um, Don't lose your train of thought. Continuing it and fostering sure. it, making yeah. it like new people that come on, they get like brought into that. We can talk about that a little bit with staff meetings. Okay, I didn't lose my train Go of thought. Yep. Go, go ahead. <laughs> so, um, so they do that six month process and they're, you know, with us, they're, they're, they're tagged to a different coach and they don't always, they won't do it only with me. So they might be with like Eric for two classes and Dave for two classes and me for three class. It just, it, I want them to be nice. with different coaches. Now with the, co- with the coaches that they're paired with, I, I am like, you hold the damn line. Mm. Like you, and there's none of this, like, we're going to sit down after the class and talk about feedback. No, it is like on the moment. Don't do that. Go do that. Fix that. Like it is in the moment because mm-hmm. that's, that's awesome. how, I always use like the example of real like time. Uh, real yep. time. None of that. There's too much feedback, too much feedback in the world. Oh, I, could, just, I like, totally agree. <laughs> it's, down no, it's, and do feedback. How about just don't, I don't do that with my kids. It's not like we sit down at the end of the day and be like, all right, so let's talk about how today went. Harriet, I really like that you did this, but I don't like that you yeah, did this. Yeah, no. and it, if you examine the way people learn, and I'm certainly no expert in this, but you know, people talk a good game about different learning styles and blah, blah, blah. And certainly I'm sure there are variations in the way people absorb information and retain it and all that, of course. But one of the biggest common denominators is time between correction of task when you're learning something. And so, mm. for example... You know, learning to drive a car is a very easy kind of thought experiment. If you don't correct quickly, like maybe you overturned or underturned or you hit the accelerator too hard or not, like that, that process of feedback is immediate. It's not, okay, we drove around the block and then we sit down and talk about it. No, it's, you Mm, have to make the corrections in the moment. And that's why you can pick up the skill relatively quickly to a relatively high level of proficiency. I mean, you're not going to be an F1 driver, but like, yeah, you'll get to the store and back after a couple of weeks of practice. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I think that's where the breakdown happens with a lot of these things that are seen to be more complex is just what you said. You, you can't escape the moment. And the further you get away from that moment where something different needed to happen, the less likelihood that something is going to change in the future. So that's cool. So, I never thought about it that way, but I like that. That actually gives me more motivation to, to keep that. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. But so think yeah. about learning to snatch. I, I used to use this analogy all the time. Let's say you go to uh, Mike Bergener's garage, shout out coach Bergener. I mean, right. the man, right? So you're there, totally. you're in this like lifting Mecca yep. and you lift for 90 minutes and he doesn't say a word to you. And then at the end of the session, you're like, well, what's the deal, coach? How did I do? And he's like, well, let's go to lunch. And you go to lunch and he gives you this total download. You're like, well, that's cool. And thanks for the time. I'm sure it would still be valuable. But how much more valuable would it have been if after that failed rep, he's like, hey, change your stance mm -hmm. or hey, your timing's off or whatever. You know, that kind of practice is going to be way more useful. Yep. So anyway. That's so true. I mean, I never, I, yeah, and now that just, I don't, yeah, it's so much more real to do it that way. Like, yep. yeah. So, yeah, so we do it in real time. And uh, and then after that, they start taking on their own classes. But I ha I keep them paired with me for one ongoing class. Or I schedule a time that I'm going to go watch their class. So, mm. for example, like with Lindsay right now, she... Um, I'm just watching her class one day a week. Um, but like, I couldn't go this coming Friday. So today we actually went and watched Eric's class together. Nice. Um, and I think that's a really valuable thing. So basically after those six months, they keep doing that for anywhere from like three months to, you know, around three months. But then from there, we do something that we just implemented formally um, for a couple of different reasons. Well, so one is I, I still go to class. So I, I make my nice. group schedule to make sure that I'm checking in on each of you know them. And so there, there's constantly that. But what we did recently was I felt like there was sort of, um, I'll be honest, there was a little bit of a, like a pandemic slump or a, mm, um, sure. what's it called? Like the aftermath. Um, it was the like, tail, we did, the fallout. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like, we did fine during the pandemic and we held like a hard line and like everyone was motivated. And I think we just kind of had this like, Oh man, now we're like taking a breath from it. Yeah, it's probably thing. exhausting. So mm -hmm. it was, yeah. It wasn't the best time. It was great. Hold on, hold on. One more thing. I can't stop, but just like interject because there's so many nuggets that you're throwing out here. Here's another one that I, I feel so strongly about. And I, I don't even have it on the front of my mind until you say it, but coaches taking their own classes mm. or, or coaches taking the classes of others yes. at the gym. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if it's good enough for the gander, it's got to be good enough for the goose. Right. And uh, I would, I'm always shocked at how many, um, you know, longtime affiliate owners and coaches don't engage with their other coaches. I know. Program. It's uh, it's a real shame in my opinion. Um, and, and That's just talk about it on the credibility level. It's like, yeah, this right. is a great gym. However, I don't do the thing that I'm asking you to do. It's like, <laughs> wow, man, how can you, how can you make that stick in somebody's mind if there's that incongruency there? So anyway, sorry, that's another one. I no, just wanted you're to absolutely, I, I, mean, I think on. that one's, that one's just a, that's just a non-negotiable, just like that, you know, that's there. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So, uh, 
we start, I didn't, so I've been, I've been kind of talking about it at our coach development hours, but it wasn't really sticking where I was like, Hey, I need you guys to hold each other accountable because you know, I'm not there every class. Right. And you walk in and you see something and, uh, I would want somebody to point it out to me. Right. Uh And I think it's also, if we're going to build, you know, building that process of like, okay, the next coach that comes in, I want to be able to pair them with Lindsay and I want Lindsay to be able to be that mentor for them. And so we did this thing where doesn't matter any group class you take now, you have to give at the end, you can write on a sticky note or you can say it to them. One thing they did really well and one thing they could have done better that they missed. And the there's no communicate, there's no follow-up. So the coach yeah. can't be like, well, what I was doing was <laughs> no, awesome. rebuttal. no rebuttal. And part of it is opening the doors for our coaches to have some freaking fun with it. Like I guarantee, and you guys know this, and maybe this is leftover from old seminar days. You know, if, if somebody like, I don't know, you look over and their squats group is doing something like, what the hell are they doing over there? Right. Like you come back and be like, I don't know what the hell Nicole is doing in her squat group, but like, that's not it. Right. Um, it's fun though. That's like, mm-hmm. that's how you hold yeah. each other accountable in a way that's, you know, self-motivation only goes so, so wrong. For I mean, sure. really what we're yep. doing is we're creating an environment that when, when you're the only coach there at 6 PM and you're doing the last class that you're, you're doing your timeline so that you're still getting the skill work and you're still following up and you're doing all the pieces that you would if everybody yep. else was there. And I think having that force forcing, if you will, initially that communication point so that, you know, Lindsay goes to Eric or boss of the other, you know, the affiliate owner and says like, you know, you could do this better on this one, but this was real, d- done really well. Or, you know, whatever it is. When I said to Connor the other day, I was like, uh, so you need to tell your class where to do wall balls because you've got chem over there, like on the other side of the gym, like what <laughs> I was over there, you know? And the thing is, is like, it can be fun, but it's also a way that you're just getting that much more like ongoing development going. Um, because coaching can be a very solo endeavor. I, you know, this is something, again, I don't think people recognize when they first start, you're in the position of being the expert. Now you're, you're because of that, whether you want it to be or not, you're certainly kind of elevated from the rest of the people in that experience. Um, Mm -hmm. there's just no, no way around it to some degree. Um, but if you play that forward too much and you start to really believe that you're on that island and you don't interact with the other people around you that are in that same kind of boat, yeah, I think it's a one-way street to either just not catching the things that could be better easily um, or starting to just drift further and further away from the rest of the team's vision yes. and you know the, the unifying thing that brought you all to, to the table in the first place. So yeah, I mean, it's it's such a simple thing and it it might seem like it's not that significant, but yeah, just that interplay of other coaches with each other regularly is such a big deal. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's another way for the team to come together and, and, and be comfortable, like talk, telling it how it is and what they see. And, and so that's been, that's been really fun. So that's, that's another way. And then Um, I guess the two other things when we talk about coach development and, you know, how that all happens is, uh, we do write our own lesson plans every day. So one coach, the 530 AM coach, whoever it is, we have two sometimes, but 
one of them is responsible. So like um, Lindsay writes it on Monday, Jenny writes it on Tuesday, Eric writes it Wednesday, Connor writes it Thursday, and Dave writes it Friday. So they all have their own day to shine. Um, oh, cool. And that's good because it helps us. We all have our own little nuances and in interests and like, oh, we're going to try this warm up thing. So we're always, but it's not always the same. Um, it also holds you accountable because you're writing, it's like your work for the week. And if your plan sucks, it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, everybody else has to stagger through it, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> you, get, you get, I think you, know, you get a little bit of, uh, you know, what the hell was going on there, stuff like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> And I'm a big well, and and coming back to this idea of ownership, everybody th- nobody feels like the process is entirely dictated to them. There's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I have a stake in this. They're like, I legitimately, right? What I'm doing matters. Yes, and going back to two way street, we pay them to write their lesson plans each month. So it's not cool. just like, oh, that's part of your hour of coaching. Like that's an add on. Um, you know, they get paid for nice. writing four plans a month. Um, so. And I think that there's a huge development thing in there. Like, you know, when Connor, and so when Connor first writes their first lesson plan, they're like, oh my God, like I might mess it up, you know? And so they'll send it to me on the weekend and we'll go through it. And sometimes I'm just like, yeah, see what happens. And they're like, nah. <laughs> so what's the answer? And I'm like, I don't know, go figure it out. Go to the gym and do that warm up three times. And you tell me, I'm not, yeah. it's not to give you the answer. It's mm-hmm. just kind of to be like the backbone, I guess. Um, and I think that's really important for, coach development is, is if you can write your own plan and know how it's going to play out, then your brain is free to start thinking about how should these people be scaled? Who's in my class? Mm -hmm. What could I do to be more efficient here? But if those nuts and bolts aren't built in, um, it's, it's hard to have the confidence to do those things. I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You got to provide enough of a container so that within that you can, you can explore whatever needs to happen. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But and if so it's total I think free for all. Yeah. <laughs> bad otherwise things happen. Like, and there's something yeah. to be said about like, yes, you need to learn how to follow other people's plan. Um, and that's that's the that's a skill in itself. But while it's it's definitely a bigger initial hurdle, learning to write your own plan is I think just such a confidence boost to the mm-hmm. coach. And I mm. it's fun to see. It's it's neat. Like um they they do, they make this shift where it's they're starting to input like, well, no, I'm not going to do that because of this. Or they'll nice. they won't be asking me a question. They'll be like, I saw tomorrow's workout. And I think we should take the back squats from the rack and not from the floor because this, 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 you know, and it's like a calculated Perfect. thought, like what we did the last time. And maybe people could go a little heavier if it was from the rack this time. And that was, you know, it's, and you're like, okay, we're, we're moving in the right direction. Oh, um, cool. Like you said, Boz, they're taking ownership. Um, yeah, I love it. And then we do coaches development hour, which is, um, you know, every two weeks we have a staff meeting and, um, we do definite coaches development hour every other one, but we do, we always end up touching on stuff on the one that's supposed to be like more staff logistics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah. And that one, that one's kind of in the same vein, I guess, is almost like the professional coach where not everything we cover is going to be, it's not like solving. It's not like, okay, here's the problem. Let's fix it. A lot of times it's just like, I think we should touch on this. I think we should look at this and you don't know when it's going to be helpful or relevant, but you know, damn it. If you do 26 hours in a year of specifically working on your coaching, Mm -hmm. like 
some, you don't know when that you're going to pull out that piece of information. Uh-huh. So like this past week, we did one that was fun where um, it was basically like, how do I handle it when? And we just kind of had all these different scenarios that have come up for them in the past month. And I think, honestly, the value is more getting everybody on the same page of how we as a team sure, yeah. are going to handle that so that the athlete has a consistent experience and a consistent um, challenge, if you will. So like one that came up was like squatting below parallel. Um, one of our coaches was like, okay, but like, if they're not squatting low parallel and I've told them a couple of times and they can do it, but then I turn around and they're not doing it again. And we basically came up with this idea of like, you figure out how you can control the environment for them so that they're successful. And so, you know, obviously it could be, you know, maybe they just need to have lighter load, right? Like there's a potential there. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's that they need a target and that that's how you're going to make sure that like they're doing that. Um, but giving them, have, having the resource or the ideas and the concepts all be talked about together, I think makes it that then when they go out on the gym floor and someone is, you know, like totally just butchering their wall ball depth and they're completely capable of doing that, it gives the coach a lot more confidence to go and have that conversation and work on the solution. If they know that the coach in the next class and the class before them is also going to do that. Mm-hmm. So you guys at Roots are of the mindset that in, in that wall ball situation, for example, if the athlete has the capacity to do it, that the coach just shouldn't walk by drinking a Starbucks. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually one of my favorite stories. We had this coach and he was, he's young and he's one of my favorite people. He, um, he coached for, started coaching with one who's very young. Now he's off. He's a, um, does his own video production. He's awesome. Um, but he came in on his internship and he had a Starbucks in his hand. I was like, you got to coach for like eight more years till you can do the whiteboard with a Starbucks <laughs> in your hands. <laughs> you got to earn that one, buddy. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's good. Awesome. Well, you know, uh, one of the things you, you mentioned, which might be a good way to, you know, um, close it out a little bit was, yeah. you just, you mentioned the professional coach. And that was one of the things that we highlighted at the beginning yeah. that we would like to give you an opportunity to chat about because it is a good resource and obviously it's tied into making coaches better. So tell us a little bit about what that is, your involvement in it, and how it could actually benefit the affiliate owner and their staff. Yeah. Uh, so the professional coach was born out of this realization that we had different subsets within the community that we were speaking to. Um, but we weren't doing that for coaches. So for example, like there's a weekly affiliate email that all the affiliate owners get, and you can get the email of the day that's specific to CrossFitters, you know, mm-hmm. anybody that labels themselves as a CrossFitter. Um, but we weren't really speaking directly to our coaches on a, on a consistent basis. And so the idea behind the professional coach was let's, let's speak to this population. And I think in a lot of ways, because, you know, if they really are the centerpiece for how so many people begin to fall in love with CrossFit or the methodology, that's, they're the gateway in so many ways. Mm -hmm. The affiliate is like, you know, the, the foundation, but um, the coach is really an integral part of that. And so the professional coach was 
was saying like, well, let's, let's speak directly to, to this group. Um, and, and a little bit too, you know, after the level one or level two, we hadn't done a lot of like ongoing communication. And so it was like, well, let's, let's reestablish that. So yeah, I don't know why I was chosen. Let's we can start there. Well, but it was basically I like I, I think we can piece it together after <laughs> no, this. I was gonna episode. say I was like, what do you mean? You you're living it. You, you oh, well, you've... okay, I'll give you that. But I do remember being on this call and Matt's telling Matt Swift is telling me about this project. I'm like, this is a great idea. <laughs> like, We're gonna have you write it. And I was like, or you know, organize mm-hmm. it. And I was like, oh. Oh, um, oh. But I have fallen in love with the professional coach in terms of being able to um, highlight and bring out some of the voices and the input of the coaches that we have out in the world of CrossFit and start um, really furthering our profession. And I think that that's the big thing with the professional coach is that uh, looking at how do we professionalize uh, the, the CrossFit trainer and the CrossFit coach and what does that look like? And there's a million different angles. Um, and so, you know, no, no issue is going to change your life. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be like, okay, I read this issue and now I'm a great coach, but I kind of, I kind of, this might be a bad analogy, but, and I wasn't a car mechanic ever, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) I have this, I don't know where this came from in my head. (laughs) Me too. I'm always like, okay, so people that like, okay let's say somebody owns a car shop, a a mechanic shop, and their kid grows up every day after school coming to the car mechanic shop and they hang out. And then, you know, all of a sudden they can start answering questions about stuff and nobody really knows why they can answer the questions. And Uh it's because they've just had all these little bits of information over Mm. the years and they're in that environment. And that's kind of, and then what manifests is they can take over, you know, when they're 18, they could, they start working there or whatever mm-hmm. it is and they know what they're doing. Um, it's odd. I'm actually starting to see that with my kids, which is sort of oh, wow. funny. Yeah. Um, I actually asked my daughter the other day, I was like, um, what actually I wrote it down. I was like, what, um, makes for a good CrossFit coach or, um, hold on. I have to share this cause this was pretty funny. Cause I think this is actually reflective of how, um, how much this stuff is just so transparent hmm. when it's done well. So I said, um, uh, I said to her, what? hold on, here it is. Um, what does it mean to be a CrossFit coach? And here he goes, it means to help people learn and help people do things right. <laughs> I was like, and we're done. Straight up. <laughs> that's, hey, that's, yeah. you know, um, can, can, conversely, just for, yeah. you know, giggles, I asked my uh, 12-year-old, I was like, I wonder how he would define CrossFit. So I was like, I was like, hey, buddy, like, what's what's CrossFit? How would you tell your friends about it? He goes, isn't that that thing that you and mom do in the garage every day that she beats you at? I was like, okay, go go inside. You know what? Go to your room. You're punished. <laughs> well, but here's the thing, though, is that going back to what Boz was saying about, like, learning by doing, like, nobody's sitting these kids down and saying like, this is what CrossFit is. And this is what you should yeah. expect to learn from it. This is what they're picking up. And so mm-hmm. with my, that's my mechanic analogy. I think, you know, you're picking things up, but just by being in the environment. And so with the professional coach, you know, the idea is that you're picking things up along the way. Maybe you read an issue and you read, um, you know, you, you look at, um, Eric's piece on pushups that's coming out, which is just fantastic. And I was like, oh my God, these are all these scaling options that we haven't ever explored. Like, what are we doing? Um, well, maybe it's not totally 
relevant for you the next day. Mm-hmm. But maybe you get an mm-hmm. athlete in a year that's really stuck on pushups and something clicks and you're like, oh, I bet you they would benefit from trying this instead of that. And yep, that's sure. Yep. That's the big picture goal is how do we build those coaches over time and and help with all those pieces. You know, it's I, it's interesting you say that. I um I had that experience early on in my coaching career with the CrossFit journal that served that function for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I would covet that thing at the time yeah. it was distributed 100%. It's behind a paywall. It was distributed via PDF. I would print it out. I have a, I still have a spiral bound book of, you know, the first, however many issues or whatever. And, um, I would just read that cover to cover. I'd revisit it. I'd go back. And yeah, a lot of times the articles didn't apply directly to what I was doing, but weeks down the road, months down the road, there were always little threads that led back yes. to something in there. And it was huge. It really was. So that's super cool that you guys are, you know, recreating that. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, we're trying. It's definitely, it was definitely, that idea was definitely born out of the journal. Cause I know a lot yeah. of us have had that experience of like, you were waiting for that, that PDF with, you know, mm-hmm. read it, eight, whatever articles in it. Um, and I think, so, I mean, I think that's the other part, you know, to, for, on your question with the, about how affiliate owners can use it is, I mean, a lot of your, if you get your group together and you do coaches development hour, you just have a staff meeting, pick an article and talk about it mm-hmm. and talk about how does this apply. And I think, you know, we are, we are introducing CEU. So continuing education credits. And a lot of those exercises are born out of, I'll be honest, just coaches development hour at roots where I'm like, Oh, we should all read professional training and let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Or you know, yeah. here's one way we've been doing pushups. Let's talk about these and let's actually do them on our own and I'll test them out and see what they feel and see how they feel and make fun of each other because you're doing it wrong or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, but, but yeah, you can use that as the context for, for having a coach development hour. If you don't, if you're not going to come up with something specifically on your own. I think that's um, absolutely so. Fantastic. And I would give the strongest recommendation for trainers, affiliate owners, dive into that with as much passion as, you know, we talked about diving into the journal back in the day, for sure. It will, it will treat you well, man. Talk about an information packed deal, you know, before I, before I I get us out of here, you, you good boss. Yeah, no, I just, um, I'm so stoked that we could, uh, sit you down, Nicole. I mean, I just think you, exemplify so many great things about the affiliate owner, just CrossFit in general. Um, you know, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that we could get you on. So um, thank you. Well, it's nice coming from you guys. So thank you. It's I guess, fun to be uh, here. but Boz is nice to all our guests. Just so you know, it's not, it's not, he, <laughs> he might, the bad might mean it. He He's might not know the, <laughs> so, so <laughs> Nicole, let's say that somebody is loves what you had to say is, is curious about mm. something else. How can somebody find you, reach out to you, et cetera, et cetera. Oh man. Uh, come to Boulder. There you, go. Out. you, you know, do the old, uh, bring Good us choice. a case of beer and, you know, come, come, come learn on the fly. Uh, Nicole at CrossFitRoots.com is always a good one. If it's about the professional coach, Nicole.Christensen at CrossFit.com is uh is good for anything with the professional coach but yeah perfect well again thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart you know we may have to check back in because there's 
There's actually a bunch of stuff on my to-do list that we didn't get to. We could have gone another <laughs> hour. <laughs> we'll keep this. We'll keep this to a manageable. Don't bore anybody though. A manageable size <laughs> no for let's say uh, part one. You know, and we'll just leave that tail uh, dragging off there. And as we say at the end of all of this. You've heard what I think, what Adrian thinks, of course, what Nicole thinks, but we're very interested to everyone out there listening or watching. What do you think? We want to hear what worked at your gym or affiliate. How do you onboard staff, new clients, you know, continuing education for your coaches? How have you incentivized coaches to feel really part of the team and potentially make it a career? Leave that in the comments so that we can all learn from that. If there's something Adrian and I forgot, and if we have Nicole on again, we should ask her. Post that in the comments as well. We'd love to read it. And again, if you're listening via audio format, thank you. But go over to the BTWB YouTube channel and post those comments under this episode because Boz and I read them for sure. So for Nicole Christensen and Adrian Bozen, I'm Pat Sherwood. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time.